Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nakhmaduhu nusalli ala Rasulihi al-Kareem amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we see blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. And so we are competing with Surah Al-Kahf and the floor is yours. All right, so today I'm going to be doing Ayat 17 to, through 21. Um, so beginning with Ayat 17 and 18, a little bit of summary. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the sun um, never shining directly on the people of the cave. Um, he also talks about um, him turning these people from one side to another. And um, another topic discussed is... Um, the presence of a dog in the cave with the people of the cave. Um, so a little bit of commentary. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described three states of the Ashab al-Kahf in the surah. Um, and he also describes um, these three states as being um, from the signs of Allah. So, min ayatullah. Um, and this phrase is typically used to sort of renew or strengthen the faith of the believers or to serve as a proof of an all-powerful being who is capable of what we consider impossible. So one of the states of the Ashab al-Gahf is the continuous sleep in which the young men are still alive, but they're in a deep sleep. Um, so one miraculous aspect of this is that they're alive without having to eat or drink anything. Um, another aspect that is miraculous is that the sun never was shining directly on them, but they still experienced sort of mild effects of weather. Um, and this played a huge part in protecting their bodies and clothing for any, from any sort of wear and tear. Um, and there's a little bit of scholarly debate about whether um, the sun never shining on them was due to the location of the cave or simply because it was a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but um, either way, the, the details aren't important because um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected these young men and it is a miracle regardless of the location. Um, so another state that is described is that during their long sleep, these young men looked like they were awake. Physically, there were no signs of sleep and anyone who had passed by the cave would have assumed that they were awake. Um, some scholars even say that their eyes may have been open. Um, and also the relaxation that is commonly associated with sleep um, wasn't present on these young men and neither um, was a slow breathing pattern that is also associated with sleep. Um, so uh, something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here is um, the changing of the sides. So he says, um, And we turned them um, on their right and on their left. And one benefit scholars say is that um, the dust from one side wouldn't sort of eat into their skin. And so they would be saved from that as they turn from right to left. Um, another important topic that is mentioned in these ayat is the dog in the cave. Um, there are many hadith that talk about um, refraining from keeping dogs with the exception of guard dogs or hunting dogs. So some scholars think that these young men may have had a dog to protect them or um, for livestock purposes. And the dog perhaps followed them into the cave um, due to its faithful nature. <clears throat> um, and the fact that this dog was, was mentioned in the Quran, um, the dog was honored simply because he was, um, he was in the company of the righteous and he followed these righteous men. So this part of the ayat is sort of 
serves as a comfort for people who might have weak faith, but they still seek the company of the righteous and try to follow their example. So if a dog can be honored simply by being in the presence of pious people, then um, then human beings can also um, benefit from being in the company of righteous people. Um, and I'll paraphrase this hadith a little bit, but um, there's hadith that says, on the day of judgment, you will be with those whom you love. So if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger, you will be among the pious people on the day of judgment. <clears throat> um, so moving on to ayat 19 through 20, um, a little bit of summary. The young men um, were awoken and they believed that they were asleep for about a day or less. Um, one of them was sent into town to get food, but um, he was careful and discreet out of fear that um, the king might send a punishment to these young men. Um, so a little bit of commentary. Um, when Allah subhanahu wa describes the young men waking up, he says, which means, and similarly, we raised them up. So the, the usage of the word kadalika and similarly alludes to how um, he put them to sleep and sort of parallels the miraculous nature of both events. Um, <clears throat> another miraculous aspect um, of them being uh, awoken is that they all woke up as healthy and fit individuals with no sign of malnourishment or disease. Um, <clears throat> So the first question that they asked each other after they woke up was, how long have we slept? Um, <clears throat> and in the Quran, um, the exact phrase is لِيَتَسَأَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ which يَتَسَأَلُوا um, means and they ask. And the inclusion of the lamb in front of the verb is known as the lamb of aqiba or consequence, meaning that this action was just a natural response to the situation. And it wasn't that they were awoken to ask the question. It was just something that happened as a response to the situation. So one of the young men um, guessed that they might have been asleep for a day or part of a day because they had arrived in the morning. Um, and when they woke up, it was evening, but they were unsure of whether or not it was the same day. And um, in the Quran, the, the phrasing is which is your Lord knows best how long you stayed. So this, it wasn't questioned much after that because it wasn't really of consequence. So they sent one man into the city with a silver coin, um, <clears throat> which indicates that they, um, they came with um, a little bit of wealth with them. And the fact that they had um, currency with them, scholars say that this indicates that pious individuals can still um, attain wealth and have strong faith and that these two are not mutually exclusive. So one man was uh, sent to find a yuha asgal ta'aman, which is that which is the purest food, um, which some scholars say means it's halal food. And um, these men have to take these precaution before, um, because before they had fled, the townspeople used to slaughter animals in the name of their idols. So they wanted to make sure that they were eating pure food. And moving on to Ayat 21, um, a little bit of summary is that the, the townspeople found out about the young men and um, them finding out is um, it confirmed the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the coming of the day of judgment. And there's also a little bit of discussion about um, building a masjid. 
Um, so a little bit of commentary. The ayat begins with um, which means, and this way we made them known. And this is phrased in a way that says that as if like the secret of the people of the cave was disclosed. And this event led to the strength and belief in resurrection on the day of judgment. So there's a little bit of backstory here that um, puts it into context. So when the young men had fled to the cave, there was um, a Mushrik king. And while these men were sleeping in the cave, the king had died. And years later, a monotheist king um, sort of took over the city and ruled the same city. And during this time, people had different opinions about what happened after death. Um, so some believed in the resurrection on the day of judgment, but some doubted that, and they thought that the body would just decompose. So <clears throat> the king prayed to Allah subhanahu wa to erase um, doubt about the resurrection on the day of judgment. And um, very soon after, the people of the cave woke up and they sent one person to buy food with a silver coin. Um, and when the shopkeeper um, in the shop that the man went to, um, he saw the coin, he was confused because the coin was from about 300 years ago. And so um, the shopkeeper took this man to the king and the king actually knew of a tablet with the inscribed names of the young men who had fled to the cave. And this inscription was created by the Mushrik king um, so that if those men had come back, they would be punished. So the king questioned the young man and then he was convinced that this young man was um, one of the people who had fled to the cave. So the young man um, led the king and the villagers to the cave. And there's a little bit of, dis of discussion among scholars about what happened after that, but once all the young men returned back to the cave, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent de death to them. Um, so people were able to see for themselves that um, the young men were asleep for a very long time and they were awoken again. So they were renewed with the belief that the same powerful being can bring the dead back to life. Um, and then the end of the ayah talks about the townspeople building a masjid in honor of the men. Um, and it was very likely built near their graves. And this ayah shows that it is permissible to build masajid near graves of pious people so long as their graves are not being worshipped. Okay, very good. Uh, first question. Uh, in terms of, of this group, uh, what percentage of yourself do you find taking the story of the people of the cave literally? 100%, 50%, 10%? What do you think? I don't know, maybe 50%. And what leads you to take it literally? What leads you to not take it literally? Um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wait, was this question for myself? Yeah, for yourself. Like, Maybe like 90% actually. Okay. Why 90% and why 10%? Um, well, 90% because, I mean, Allah's pranta is capable of anything. Um, but at the same time, like there are certain things in the Quran that are figurative also. So, I mean, it could be either, either way. Mm -hmm. Or both. Yeah. That uh, something could be literal and at the same time, it is also allegorical too. 
right. Yeah. Uh, let's change it uh, from the story of the people of the cave to the the people of the Sabbath, the Sumpt. These are the people who who were supposed to be in worship, but then they set up nets or troughs near the shore and started catching all the fish, and then they were told to become apes. Uh, what percentage do you find yourself uh, believing? Yes, they literally became apes. What do you think? Um, maybe seventy-five percent. Okay, why is that lower? What do you think? Um, I think it's harder to imagine people literally turning into apes. Okay. It, it might be that they started acting like animals. Okay. okay. Yeah, it could it could have been either way. Okay. What about uh, Musa, peace be upon him, arriving at the sea and then the sea splitting in the language of the Quran into two mountains of water? What percentage is that? Um, it, it might be 90 again because okay. um, like the imagery is so like vivid, like literally the water is rising as two mountains. Okay. okay. Uh, what about the night journey? That the Prophet physically went Jerusalem and to hell to heaven. Um, closer to a hundred percent, I think. Okay. So, yeah. In, so yeah, these are the, the kinds of points that get um, debated. Why uh, for the night journey do you do you bring that closer to a hundred percent? What do you say? Um, well, because the whole purpose of the night journey was to sort of like um, prescribe prayer, and yeah. I guess since prayer is such an important part of our lives, um, like the journey to receive that is sort of significant. So I think that's why it could have been literal. Okay, so uh, what if the night journey didn't include the part of the prayer? Then what do you think? Because going through heaven and hell doesn't really include the, the prayer portion. I don't know. <laughs> so, so one of the big questions of faith is at one level just belief in the unseen and then and then taking it a step further by believing the unseen we're saying that there's things that are part of that are beyond our perception easiest yeah. example would be allah angels right uh, but also what's beyond our perception is the future and also what's beyond our perception is history too right mm -hmm. and then and then within just the realm of belief, it's believing in the miraculous or the things that violate, you know, our sense of how things operate. And, and this isn't just uh, a question for you and I, when the angel came to Maryam salam saying, you're going to have a son. She is saying, how am I going to have a son? I've never been with a man. And she's not saying, okay, how can Allah make this happen? What she's saying is that this is not the sunnah of how Allah operates things. And so like here, the story of these people falling asleep for 300 years, that's not the sunnah of how Allah operates things. Mm -hmm. But the answer she was given was what? It's easy for Allah, right? Right. And, and so, so, so then for the believer, uh, does a believer truly believe that anything is easy for Allah? Yeah, I think for, for a whole lot of us, we do. But then when we give specific examples, then the question is, okay, did that really happen? It's really easy for Allah, but did we have people who were asleep for 600 years? Did we have people who turned into apes? Did the sea split? Did the prophet peace on physically go to, to all these different locations? And then, and so then the question becomes, is it a primary issue, secondary issue or lower, 
of all those examples that I gave, the only one that in terms of general Tony thought is considered to be a primary issue of belief is the fact of the night journey. Meaning that we take literally that the prophet physically went to all these locations. Again, is it easy for a lot? Yeah, it's, if it's possible to measure how easy something is, it is, it's as easy for Allah to send the Prophet on the night journey as it is to create all of creation. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if it is somehow possible to measure. But um, yeah. And so these other things, however, are not necessarily articles of faith. So am I committing a sin if I don't believe that the sea split for Musa? Not necessarily. But it is the overwhelming majority of belief across the Ummah that this physically happened. And so, yeah, I mean, I take it, me personally, I take all these things as, as literal, including the apes, including this and such, because uh, I believe in things that are far more fantastic than people being asleep for 300 years. And I believe in things that are far more fantastic than the possibility of a person being con- converted to apes. But then when we put it into practice, yeah, it's secondary whether it actually happened or not. The actual thing for us is the word of Allah is true, mm-hmm. right? The meaning might be debated, but the word of Allah is true. And then what is the lesson that Allah is giving me by giving this example? Because in the story of Musa al-Islam, there might be 50,000 other miraculous events. Mm-hmm. Allah is focusing on these, you know, a dozen or so. And in the people of the cave, there might be another, you know, 20 other miraculous events, but Allah is only focused on these. And so, likewise, at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, we usually speak of his primary miracle as what? The Quran itself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but in the Hadith literature, we have we have stones saying salam to him, and we have all kinds of other things. Uh, but those are not mentioned, at least not directly in the Quran, so it is Allah's not using them to give us a lesson. So the point is, I'm saying one aspect is, okay, in terms of general discussion, what do people take as primary of the miraculous things we need to believe? Of all these things, uh, it's the night journey of all the different events throughout the history of, of the universe. Then mm-hmm. from there, we all have to believe that the word of Allah is true. But if then it gets debated among things that are not as categorical, you know, what is literal, what is not, uh, I do think, yeah, there is some debate whether or not the people being turned into pigs and apes, if that's literal. And part of the reason why it's not considered literal is because the whole phrase of be an ape is also a common insult. Like if I said, go jump in the lake, I'm not literally telling you to go jump in the lake. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. right, okay, you're, you're annoying. Right. And so that one is debated. Uh, but like I said, it's overwhelming majority belief that Isa alayhi salam was born from a virgin birth, that the sea split for Nuh alayhi salam, or Musa alayhi salam. Or the easiest example is this, the, the water of Nuh, peace be upon him. <laughs> Some people do suggest that the whole world did not uh, go underwater. For Nuh, again, I have no problem believing that the whole world went underwater. Some people suggest that maybe it's just a part of, of the world. Another point I want to draw our attention to is that sometimes knowledge becomes a limitation. So when we when we're living in the science era, it becomes easier to disbelieve these things because we really start thinking of okay, what is possible, what is not possible. 
and everyone contradicts themselves too, right? Because um, people will say, all right, scientifically, you can't prove God or angels or anything like that, but they don't have an, exper an explanation for what happened before the Big Bang. Some will say maybe the universe always existed, which, you know, it's harder to defend that with data, although Big Bang is, is an interpretation of data. And so all this is basically a discussion of what we call Mu'ajiza. Mm -hmm. So these are the miracles of Allah. Parama, uh, so Mu'ajiza are usually associated with um, prophets. Parama are also miraculous things that we might associate with non-prophets. Just wonder if things are happening. Um, what else? And so, yeah, do I have to actually believe that these people were asleep for that long? No, but that's majority opinion. I personally believe that they were asleep for that long. But the more important point was the lesson that you have these young people who, who did not want to bend on their beliefs and saw no option except to leave out of society. That, mm -hmm. I think, is a very, very powerful lesson. Let's see what else here is skimming through. Um, there's also this point about... Uh, how much Sharia do we derive from historical narratives? And usually very minimally. That Sharia, Islamic law, is usually derived from those texts that are clearly of a legal nature. But when we're going through these stories, we still might get insights on acceptable behavior. So is it acceptable for you to leave your family Generally, no, right? Is it acceptable for you to live as an ascetic, meaning giving up all dunya, you know, or not even all dunya, but just separating yourself from society? Generally, no. But if your faith is that much on the line, then possibly yes, as is the example of, of these young people. And we discussed last time about like, you know, how do you feel about disagreements of, opinion like last time the question was about the people of the cave some stories are referring some parts of the story are referring to these young people other parts of the story are referring to those three people who are in the cave mm -hmm. and and i may have mentioned last time uh number one that when there's that type of disagreement it usually means <clears throat> they're focusing on the details that are not as important right. to expand our possible understanding so when things are ambiguous it's often like you're looking for okay let's make this as wide as possible to learn as much as we can. Mm -hmm. See if there's anything else. It's all your other points left over. Good. Yeah, those were all, all, all the main things. So what am I, what is the overall point that I'm making? That one of the points we're deriving from here is where do we what do we give priority to? And what is not as important for, for priority? Well, priority is not the fact of their story, but the but number one, of course, the word of Allah, but then second, the uh, uh, the lessons of the stories themselves. You know. mm -hmm. And then as we go further through Surah Al-Kahaf, we're also going to see parallels between their story versus uh, other people, inshallah. Inshallah. Okay, cool. Uh, all that was, was very good, mashallah. Any questions mm -hmm. for me? No. Okay. So we'll continue along. You know, if you can make it through another Roku or so, that'll be good. And we'll do that next week, inshallah. Okay, inshallah. Okay, very good. And we'll continue again, inshallah.